favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fertikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have award-winning Amish author, Debbie Juicy, who will introduce us to her latest release, in a sniper's crosshairs. Good morning, Debbie. How are you today? Oh, I'm well, Tracy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. The oh, last time we got yeah. together was such fun, and I'm uh, just grateful that you invited me back. Yeah, I love having you. Last time you were on board with the Buddy Talk, we formed a really sweet little friendship, so I have enjoyed that. And this time, you're going to talk to us about In a Sniper's Crosshair, which releases um, pretty soon in November, and I'm anxious to hear all about it. But before we start talking about your latest release, I do like to ask our guest authors some questions about your writing career. Is that okay? Oh, sure. All right. So first of all, how about you let our listeners know what time of day do you usually get most of your writing accomplished? I'm an afternoon writer. I get up in the morning and spend some time in prayer and then I run my errands and oh, tidy up the house, do whatever has to be done around here. And then I'll have lunch. And then at about one o'clock, I'm usually at my computer or my alpha smart. I think I told you the last time I often uh, do a first draft copy with an alpha smart. That's a little portable word processor. So um, then I'll write until about five o'clock, take a walk and then start dinner. So that's my routine. Sometimes I go back in the evening, but you know, uh, these last couple of years, I've really tried not to and just to, to relax in the evening with my husband and to not to work during that time. So that one o'clock to five o'clock, that's my primary writing time. Unless of course I'm on deadline and then, you know, Everything uh, goes out the window and it's I'm sitting at the computer uh, long hours during those last few days or even a cu- last couple of weeks before a book is due. Oh, I certainly can sympathize. Uh, my husband knows when I'm under a deadline or I, I haven't made my word count because supper's late. There's not any cookies in the cookie jar. <laughs> you know, the vacuum hasn't been run in weeks oh. and, you know, the dog's hairs everywhere. <laughs> That's the thing about the cleaning. The last deadline that I had, the house was just the dust was you know, getting thick. And finally, I had to say, I don't care about my deadline. I have got to clean this house. And, you know, I felt such peace after I cleaned. I went back and I worked and everything fell into place so easily. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't I can't go that long without cleaning my house again. (laughs) Oh, I certainly agree. I certainly agree. So how about you tell us what was the first book that you can remember that ever made you cry? Oh, Charlotte's Web. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I can still remember laying on my couch. I'd read sometimes uh, in the living room, you know, mother let me lay on the couch and read my books. And, oh, I just sobbed. And I still remember that. It was so traumatic. Now, I must say the first movie was Bambi, if you remember Bambi, when Bambi's mother is killed. And that that killed me. But um, for a book, it was certainly Charlotte's Web. And then I was a Nancy Drew fan, so I'd get excited. But there weren't tears necessarily in that, thank goodness, (laughs) in those stories. I introduced all my grandchildren to Charlotte's Web. Um, That was probably one of my most favorite movies. And I don't remember watching it as a child, but I remember watching it as my children, who are in their late 30s now, 
when they were little, I remember watching Charlotte's Web. And then I introduced all four of my grandchildren uh, to it, you know, so yes. um, I, and just, I never I, saw the movie. So I, you know, that's something I, I wonder if it's still around. It, I mean, it is. It is. I have rented it, um, I think, maybe on Netflix and uh-huh. watched and had my grandchildren watch it. Um, when we had DVDs, I remember I had a DVD of it, but our computers don't have DVDs anymore. Our our Right. Television doesn't have DVDs, but yes, I bet you can find it, Debbie, and you need to watch it because it's a sweet, sweet story. <laughs> I do. That's what, that's what I'll do this next week, Tracy. <laughs> there you go. Go find it. It's out there. It's out there. So tell us, you have been writing for a really long time, and we have some aspiring writers that listen to the Buggy Talk podcast. What do you think some common traps are that aspiring writers might fall into? Well, I think that most important thing for a new writer is to write. And often it seems like we get bogged down in editing. So we'll write a page and then we want that page to be perfect, especially that that beginning of the story. The beginnings are so hard. Um, I think any writer, no matter how many books they've written, they always struggle with that beginning because there's so much that has to go together into to get the story kind of on the road. But I think it's important to get some basics down and just just write. And I tell folks, I taught a, a class at my church for a number of years, write the whole story, just sit down, have fun, get it, get words on paper on the computer and then go back and edit because once you have that whole story, then you, your vision for the story is better once you complete it. You, it, you may think it's going to go in one direction in your mind when you're brainstorming how this, how the plot will evolve. But once you get to your computer, you're going to find that different things enter into it and the story will, will sometimes veer in another direction. So get those words down and then go back and edit. That doesn't mean you won't, you know, fix a few typos along the way, but don't obsess with the first chapter. A lot of women I've, I've heard at different conferences and whatnot will come up and they'll say, Oh my gosh, I've spent, I've been spent three months on my first chapter. Well, that's pulling you down and and that's not fun anymore, you know, when you're reworking it so much. So just get words on the paper, enjoy the process, and then go back and revise, uh, fine tune it. That That's actually the part that I enjoy the most. I don't like a blank page. I want to get something on that page and I want to get it on there quickly. And then once my first draft is finished, then I go back and I fine tune. So it's actually the process that I use. And that's similar to how I do it as well. And often when, you know, I get that first draft on there and I try really hard not to go back and reread that first draft until I have it complete. And then I'll go back and think, what was I thinking? Where, where was that (laughs) story? Where was that scene going? That means nothing to the overall story. So lots of times I, you know, I delete a lot. I may add more, but you know, the, the characters, if you let them, will tell their own story. That's right. And I love the little inspirational moments. I say that God is really inspiring me at those times, the things that will pop up as I'm typing. And I never had thought of them before. And initially, I would delete them. I'd think, oh, my goodness, where did that come from? But I've learned that there is purpose for them and that God has indeed inspired me and that, that whatever that is that I've added 
uh, unknowingly, you know, not knowing where it came from, that later on that's going to be important in the story. That's why, you know, I do say that writing is a spiritual process and it's an exciting one when we let, when we let the spirit flow and we call on God to help us in our, in our writing. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So that was great advice, Debbie. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So on to the story and how you come up with your story. How do you go about selecting the names of your characters? Before I was a writer, I didn't realize how important names were. And I didn't realize how difficult at times it would be for me to name my characters. Especially with the Amish, I want to get accurate names and and at first, uh, there were a few that I draw from the Yoder, the Zooks, you know, but there's so many more. I subscribed to The Budget, which is a, um, a, a newspaper, and it is published every two weeks. And there are different, they call themselves scribes, different people from various Amish uh, communities around the country, and actually internationally as well, will send in little like a letter and say what's going on in, in their area. So they'll use the names of the folks. So they might say that Mrs. So-and-so was hurt in an accident. She's been in the hospital. If you'd like to send notes of encouragement, you know, they'll give the address or they'll say there was a wedding and who came to the wedding. So there are a lot of names in that newspaper. So I will scan the newspaper trying to find um, that new name, especially those Amish names. And uh, sometimes it takes me quite a while because it won't be the right name. It won't resonate. You mentioned the characters telling their own story, coming alive as we write. And I think that's so true. I, I once wrote a book and I was, oh, about a third of the way into it. And my character was dead. I just couldn't get this character. It was a hero and he wasn't working for me. And yet I I was very happy with his backstory, you know, everything that had happened to him, what I I envisioned for the story and how it would progress. But I realized I had the wrong name for him. And once I changed, you know, spent a little time trying to decide what his real name was, then he came alive on the page. It, it's just amazing. I also do an ABC chart for character names before I start a story. So I'll just, you know, write the alphabet down the side of the page and then I'll add names. I don't want to repeat a name starting with the same letter of the alphabet, because you can get, as a reader, you get, I get tied up if they're all similar names. So uh, a, say a Tracy and a Terry and a Trish, those because readers sometimes skim quickly and we might just be looking at the first name of the character as we're reading when, you know, Tracy said or Trish said, it's much better to have, have the names be very, very different so that the reader doesn't uh, make that mistake of, of thinking you're talking about one character when you're talking about another. So I spend a lot of time on characters. I do enjoy the Amish names. Oh my gosh, Huckstretter and Overholt. That was the uh, Matthias Overholt is in uh, this book that I have now. I love those. Germ we lived in Germany. So I learned I could get a, get by with my German over there, but I love that language and that guttural sound, and so many of the names are like that. So that's probably more information than you wanted to know about. No, it was perfect. It was perfect. So I have so I have to ask you, have you – let me tell you what I did recently. So I was writing a manuscript, and I started the manuscript calling uh, – the main character, one name, and halfway through the book, I changed her name, and I yes. didn't even realize it. <laughs> yes, I have done that. Well, 
And one thing that happened to me was I had a Sam, like Samuel, I guess, and he was a villain. So he, he played into the ending of the story. And I had another character that was very close. So my editor said I had to change my villain's name. So I put in, you know, when you change all program or whatever it is with your Word document, you know, you can put in take Sam and change it to whatever the new name was. And I did that. And or maybe it was it wasn't Sam and I changed it to Sam, the Sam in the middle of the word even if it wasn't just a standalone, because I'm sure I did it incorrectly when I put everything into the the prompt, would be in the middle of another word. You know, it was just, oh, it messed up my entire manuscript. So I had to go through and by hand enter each, change each name by hand. (laughs) It was terrible. So I've learned my lesson. That's why I'm very careful with names. But like you, I have certainly changed my characters' names in the middle of the story. That is easy to do, isn't it? It certainly is. It certainly is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight with us. I know that our our listeners really enjoy this part of the interview. But what we're here for today is to promote In a Sniper's Crosshair. So we're going to dig into what this particular story is all about. But before we do that, I'm just going to read your back matter to set the stage. And then we will talk about your story. Okay? Yes, good. All right. This is Debbie Justice in A Sniper's Crosshairs. An assassin's loose in Amish country, and she's not the only target. When a radio broadcast describes taxi driver Lily Hudson's passenger as an armed criminal, she becomes his immediate target. Narrowly escaping, Lily accepts Mathis Overholt's offer to hide at his Amish family farm for Christmas until evidence reveals the gunman's plan is tied to Lily's past. Now, to prevent an assassination, Lily and Mathis must unravel a years-old conspiracy and invade a sniper who has them in his sights. How intriguing. This sounds um, suspenseful and dangerous, and I can't (laughs) wait to hear more about it. So, Debbie, tell us what your inspiration for this particular story was. Well, I... I sometimes begin with a little visual. I am a visual person. So I had this idea of a Victorian Christmas lodge. So a lodge where Christmas is celebrated all year round and they have, uh, it's decorated as Christmas. There's a Christmas store you can buy things with and it's a destination for folks. It sits up on a hill. It's a Victorian, very large lodge and it, has a beautiful landscape lawn around it and this little hill rolls down to a lovely lake so I had that visual and then of course I I need to write an Amish story and that's what I am writing so I thought how can the Amish feed into that so I thought that there was a a large festival of sorts that would be held there closer to the Christmas time and that the Amish would have be vendors and have um, little um, kiosks outside and be selling their wares and that people would come and flock to it for, for this event. So that was my beginning. And then the story kind of grew around that. It was a little different because usually I'm thinking of um, the hero or heroine, but it was actually that setting that was key at the very, very beginning to get me into the story. Oh, it sounds exciting. So without giving us any spoilers, just tell us a little bit about the story. 
Well, the backstory tells how Lily is a taxi driver and um, her mother is sickly. And so she um, she gets kind of living on the edge. She lives in a little cabin not far from where her mother is staying. So she is has taken her last ride fare for the evening. And it's a stormy night, of course. Uh, she comes at the beginning. We'll read that she comes upon this car with a um, person who she needs to uh, give the ride to in it. As it said in the in the blurb, and he is criminal, and he tries later on to steal her car and to harm her. So she needs to seek refuge with an Amish family. So there's a widower. He has twin children, and his mother lives with him to care for the help him care for his children. His wife died soon after the uh, children's birth. They're seven years old. So they then will take part in this Christmas festival that's at this lodge that is not far from where they live. And of course, then, you know, there's the the criminal on the loose. He wants to find the woman who can identify him. And then there is a, she needs to determine why he's there and what's happening, what the reason is for this criminal coming to this very small town up in the in the mountains. So where's the story set at? Well, it's in the North Georgia mountains, and that's usually where I place my stories. I have done uh, some other Amish books in a settlement that's in South Georgia, but I really like the mountains because of the hills, the environment. It just uh, draws my heart, and I think it lends itself to that suspense story. And I remember from our last interview, and people who are not familiar with the North Georgia mountains, there's really not any Amish settlements up there. So no, there's not. Yeah, so this is a completely fictitious area that that you have come up with so i just don't want our visitors to drive to north georgia looking for an Amish settlement when there's not any there (laughs) there is a small mennonite community in macon which is south of me um, but it is very very small but that's all so far in georgia yeah so yes my my towns are all are purely fictional Oh, good. So what do you think the key message or the theme of this particular story is? Well, it seems like I I write often about forgiveness, and that seems like it's an important um, theme for me, and, and so it appears in my stories often. In this case, the same way, this uh, wound from the past, which often my hero or her, my protagonist, will have that has to be healed. Sometimes they don't know uh, that there it even is that wound until they're into the story, and then the story helps them come to terms with the past. So I always think that unforgiveness really kills our spirit, but forgiveness heals and allows us to embrace life fully. And often with that unforgiveness, sometimes we as people turn our backs on God. We always think that God turns his back on us, but we know he's always faithful. What we do when there's been a a pain in our past, we will close God out of our life. And it's only when we can heal whatever that wound is in the past that then so often that's when we are finally able to to accept God, accept God's forgiveness so that he knowing he forgives us, then we forgive ourselves, then we can forgive others. So that's a process I love to include in my stories, and it certainly um, is in this story as well. That's a perfect message. We all need to hear that and be reminded of that daily. We certainly do. So, Debbie, how about you go ahead and read us either your first page or a pivotal scene? Sure. I'll just read the first the first page and draw the readers, hopefully, into the story. Perfect. Fatigue weighed heavily on Lily Hudson's shoulders as she left Pinewood 
and drove her taxi along the narrow mountain road to pick up her last customer for the night. A light drizzle of rain pitter-pattered against her car's windshield. Storms were expected to roll through the North Georgia mountains, and after an exhausting weekend shuttling passengers to earn money to pay for her mother's medical needs, Lily longed for a hot bath and a good night's sleep. Tomorrow was an important day, and she needed to be well-rested and ready to confront the painful memories in her past and the people who were determined to ruin her life and her mother's reputation. But first, she had one more fare to transport, a guy whose car had broken down just north of Pinewood. A crash of thunder and a zigzag of lightning cut across the night sky, and the rain intensified. Even with her windshield wipers on high, Lily struggled to see and was forced to slow down as she rounded a sharp curve in the winding mountain road. A white mid-sized sedan that must have swerved off the road lay at an angle in the ditch. Her heart skittered in her chest as she realized her fare's broken-down car was a more serious situation than a stalled engine or a flat tire. She slammed on her brakes, pulled her taxi to the edge of the pavement, turned off her flashers and stepped out into the wet night. She'd never expected to be the first responder to an accident scene, but surprises came with having her own taxi company, and her first priority was to ensure the man who needed a ride back to Pinewood hadn't been seriously injured. So that kind of sets the stage. So it does. This is the villain, as you know, the blurb has mentioned. And so then the, the story ensues. Well, I have to tell you, you know, I have enjoyed getting to know you and your personality does not match suspense. It just doesn't <laughs> match suspense. So I am just tickled when I was listening to that. You know, it's like, how did you start writing suspense when, you know, when we chatted back and forth? Your personality doesn't match up <laughs> suspense, but oh, you just you you do such a great job as, at pulling us in. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. So tell us what's next for Debbie. Well, I have a story coming out in the spring. It's another love-inspired suspense, and it's called Amish Blast Investigation. Ooh. The, um, the editors asked for title suggestions, and I sent in about 20 of them. It was not this title, so I was kind of surprised about the blast. It kind of took me aback. But, you know, editors know best, and I'm sure there was a reason for it. So I'm I'm going to stick with it. And, and actually, there's an explosion at the beginning. So that's what the blast refers wow. to. And I'm hoping that the art department will picture that blast it's an Amish bakery and there's been an explosion and and my heroine is she's the baker and so she's outside and I'm hoping that's the picture that they put on the cover which will then help with the uh, with the title with the Amish blast investigation and of course then then the story involves who set the explosion what happened and why so you're working on that story right now or are you well the story's it's with my editor. She's doing the copy edits. That's the next stage mm-hmm. in the process for your, your listeners. And then I'll get that back and she'll tell me what areas she might want me to change, might want me to cut some aspects of it or to embellish something that maybe um, one time 
one of my editors asked me to give more detail about the area, the trees and the, the vegetation, that type of thing. So I'll be going through that and doing those change, making those changes and then submit it. That'll be my last hands on with the book. And then the, the editors will send queries if there's different, you know, they have three or four editors that read these stories to make sure everything uh, fits together and there aren't any, as we said earlier, names that have been changed in the halfway in the book, right? It's right. so easy to make those little mistakes or to make a typo or to have a character that has red hair at one point and black hair at another. So they're going to pick up all that. So at that point, then once I send back these um, copy edits that I will get soon, once I send them back to my editor, then I'll start on the next story. We're always busy. There's always something to do in the process of writing books, isn't there? Yes, there always is, isn't it? Um, there is. It never ends. There's always a new story or, you know, you're, it's always a busy life for writers. So as you know, I love to do this little fun speed round where I ask a series of fun questions just to end our um, our time together on a, on a light note. So are you ready for my crazy I'm question? I'm ready. All yes. right. <laughs> Number one, would you rather step over a snake or fight off a mean-spirited goose? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with snakes. And we have a, we, our house sits on a lake and we have lovely geese that can get mean spirited. So certainly the goose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I grew up on a little farm and we always had mean spirited geese. And I don't know what made me remember that this morning, but that's where that came from. <laughs> oh, and they can attack one another and you don't want to be around when those wings go flying, do you? No, you certainly don't. So since it's almost Halloween, how about you share with our listeners what your favorite Halloween candy might be? Oh, I love chocolate bars, those small bars. I also like Tootsie Roll Pops. So I like, you know, my basket for the children will have lots of chocolate and then a few Tootsie Roll Pops so that they each get a Tootsie Roll Pop and then some chocolate candy, too. And then, of course, when there's leftovers, you know, I get to get to eat the candy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We always buy leftovers, always buy leftovers. So how about you share with us one of your favorite childhood memories? Oh, there's so many. I'm thinking back to my childhood. I lived in Japan when I was a little girl. I had long braids. My mother hadn't cut my hair, so my braids went down my back. And the Japanese children, we lived, our first home was in a Japanese house, and uh, we were in a small fishing village. So the Japanese children outside would point at my hair and say, sticky nay, sticky nay. So I came in the first time that happened, and I was almost tearful. I thought they were saying my hair was sticky. I wasn't sure. So then we found out that sticky nay was pretty and that they liked my hair. So certainly the memories of Japan, that was, I went there right after I turned six. So a lot of my first memories, you know, I mean, I have others when I was younger, but um, the day in, day out memories are, are about living in Japan with my parents. Oh, that was really sweet. And we learned a new word today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we did. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. I want to thank you for spending time with us. Is there anything you'd like to say to your readers before we sign off? Well, I'm always so grateful. You know, the readers are the reason that we write. And certainly for me, um, being able to see, meet them, meet new readers, to hear from them, um, to know that 
they enjoy my books. I'm always surprised when I get a letter that somebody says, oh, I love this story. And I think, oh, isn't that marvelous? You know, I loved it, but I didn't, I didn't realize other people would as well. Sometimes I'm in that, pinch me, this must be a dream mentality, you know. So um, with COVID, that's what I hated, that I couldn't get out and be with readers. In fact, I'm going to do my first book signing. And I really haven't stepped out yet, but I am in December for this book. This will be my first um book that I'll do a local signing for. And I always love that because I have such great support in my local area. Folks come and, and, and it's a wonderful evening for all of us, I think. So just thank you and how grateful I am. And just, I'm always amazed. As I said, it's a pinch me. I, um, I, I must be dreaming type of um, situation for me. Oh, well, it's what God has asked you to do and you do a great job at it. Thank you, Tracy. I do feel that it is ministry. So thank you. You're very welcome. And we will have you back on the Buggy Talk in the spring to launch your next book that you're working on. So to all of you listeners, if you'd like to pick up a copy of In a Sniper's Crosshairs, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at tracysamishbooks.com. Or you can go to BuggyTalkPodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape, including my latest release, which is Anna's Amish Fears Revealed, which is book three of the Amish Women of Lawrence County.